I think I like hand tattoos. Um, it was in terms of getting a tattoo, it was the most interesting tattoo to get because there's something, you know, personal about your hands. I, I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but hands are in some ways you can see a person's personality in their hands. This is part two of my conversation with author Douglas Ford about his book, The Trick. We talk specifics about the story, the characters, and the choices he made when writing. I learned what a panster is, and we talk about the use of tarot in the story. There's a video version of this podcast on the Phantom History YouTube channel. I talk with author Douglas Ford about his book, The Trick, on Conjuring Phantom History. So everybody watching, spoiler alert, we're about to start. Okay, good, good. So I thought it was a great setup. As someone that had tattoos, um, I would tell you this just as an aside, I never thought I would have tattoos ever. I was not that guy ever. And then the day came when I was like, okay, I want to have this beast tattoo on me and I want it, I want it on me. And I was so weird. And I went and met with this wonderful tattoo artist, Steve Roberts in, in Orlando and I was like describing these to him, like, I'm not a tattoo guy. I never, but I really want this army. And he was like, oh yeah, I, I totally get that. Like he understood that idea. Um, and it turned out I am a tattoo guy. It's just, I didn't, <laughs> the stereotypes of it, you know, what were so, so interesting. I thought that was interesting because we're all bringing sort of these biases and cultural expectations of tattoo people and who has them and who doesn't and why. And I just thought that was a great hook. Free to start with. Thanks. And, you know, and I have tattoos as well. Okay. And uh, including one on my hand, which it's not really a spoiler alert, but it's hand tattoo is important in the, in the story. It is. Um, but, but the character in the story, Adam is literally a blank slate and, you know, in that regard, and he's not only a blank slate and that his skin is unadorned, but he's, in many ways, he's sort of like the full card in the tarot deck. Is that he's really, this is really the beginning of a journey. And he has to be marked first. He has to have some kind of inscription to begin the journey. And um, the, I, I don't know if I'm ruining anything. Of course, we said. We, we're just okay. Talk like everybody knows. That the tarot really structured the, the narrative. Um, Indeed. I played around with having chapter titles based on tarot cards. And the publisher said, no, nah, it'll just be distracting. And, and we decided to go ahead and just number the chapters. And if people figure out or care about the tarot structure, then, you know, great. If they don't, they don't need it. So, But I thought that was a nice device for, for carrying the, that sort of supernatural tarot mm -hmm. thing through the story. And so the fact that he ends up with a tattoo on his hand um, through this auspices of this opening thing – was that motivated because you have one on your hand? Did that was that why you decided to put it there? I don't know. I've I've actually got two stories in in my uh, in my canon. I don't know if canon is the right word to use here, but I have I have, I've written also written another story about hand tattoos. So I think I like hand tattoos. Um, it was in terms of getting a tattoo, it was the most interesting tattoo to get because um, your hand. There's something you know, personal about your hands, you know, you, you identify, I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but hands are in some ways you can see a person's personality in their hands. And so it was very, it was very much a, it was, it was a more intimate tattoo to get because somebody's working on my hand. And I, you know, I, I should say for uh, transparency purposes, I don't have any place in a traditionally 
intimate area, and he tattoos in a traditionally intimate area. So when I say this is an intimate, although someone intimate in the book that. certainly did, but but we're not going to talk about that part probably. Well, I th- I wondered if you made it on put it on his hand also because then everybody could see it. Like the hand is one of those places where you can't hide it. You know, like if you have it on your arm, you can wear a shirt. And but like yes. I also thought that was important to the story because Adam yeah. could not. Like, it was very visible to everybody. Right. And people want to hold it. And, you know, we hold hands as a sign of intimacy. So people kept taking his hand, which he's uncomfortable with intimacy. Yeah. yeah. And because he simply he hasn't experienced a lot of it. And so when people keep taking his hand, it really kind of forces a connection that he's he's learning how to deal with, a connection with each of these people that he encounters yeah. as a result. Yeah, that was very interesting that he was so uncomfortable and everybody kept grabbing it to want to look at it. That was that was a really cool thing. All right, so now I have to ask you like the, the biggest question I have. You've already mentioned it, so I'm going to start asking you this. I thought the character of Adam was so interestingly chosen the way you drew him. And, and like he's – you just called him just now a blank slate. Like I, I thought he was like almost devoid of personality. You know what I mean? Like – I have to tell you, I had a hard time rooting for him because he was so, like, bland. And I'm sure that was intentional. But you know what I mean? Like, he was like, oh, well, you know, nobody usually likes me. And, oh, I don't know how to deal with women. And, like, he was so bland. Well, originally, the original version of Adam was kind of a, a jerk when I wrote the story originally. And I, I didn't like him. To me, what helped me connect with Adam in in this, the present version was that he is, in many ways, innocent. There's a certain innocence to him that may come across as blandness, which I hope not too bland. Um, I can but see that. He is always stumbling through life, and there's a point where he mentions, "I've never been outside of this town." There's right. another side of this right. blank slate. So being inscripted with this tattoo and in many ways forces him to um to form a self that he's not accustomed to a self that can interface with the world and interact with the world which by the way the world is a tarot card and that's in the end of course that that leads to because it's a horror novel it leads to these unpleasant places in the end the idea of him being sort of Innocent and naive, actually. I can see how that would play into the idea of, like, he seems the least likely person to be able to handle this and deal with it. Um, but I did struggle sometimes figuring out how to like him because I wanted to root for him. And I was rooting for him, but sometimes I was just like, oh, could you, you know, you're so devoid of personality. Uh, but anyway, I thought that's interesting. I see how you how that works in the way you were thinking about it. Um, and actually, the whole cast of characters... Are, are really in, are like a fascinating collection. Like, why would he have this wife, this, you know, this Natalia, who's like that, that seemed crazy. Then when you describe how it happened and how he said, yes. Carnality. <laughs> yeah, well, I think so, obviously. And, you know, he was, she was sort of using him for some purpose, but like the, that was seemed unlikely. And then it's very interesting that the, um, the other main character, which is, how do you say it? It's uh, Maripin? Maripin. Maripin. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very, very interesting character. Of course, the, the, the tattoo artist that he go, sort of goes to to find out what is this, and then she gets very wrapped up in the story, um, is a trans woman. And I thought that was a very interesting choice. Why did you decide to include that? Um, 
and, and so she kind of, that character kind of announced to me when I was drafting it that she was trans. And I can't really explain it. It it kind of, she needed to be for um, for part of her struggle, for part of her transformation, um, for part of the wisdom she brings. Um, in some ways, she escaped the kind of life that Adam had and that Adam is in the process of escaping. And, 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 and to become her true, who she truly is. She had to go through that. In the process, she became the artist that she is. Um, and in the tarot, she would be the high priestess, which, you know, of course, I kind of laid that one on the nose at one point with her, her business card. Um, but she is, she is the source of, of this hidden wisdom, um, in part because of what she had to go through, her own transformation, her own struggle, and uh, which is alluded to later in the text. Um, yeah, no, I get so, that. And actually, it makes sense to me that she does. She's sort of like the guide and the one that sort of helps him figure out, you know, encourages him. So that makes – that's very interesting. That's kind of what I thought you were going to say, but I, that's very, very interesting. Um, okay, so the the figure on his hand is – is our, okay, Baphomet? How do you say it? Baphomet, yeah. Okay, so I did a little research. Obviously, this is like a real thing. So, so – I know that's important to the story and how it works, but 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 let's talk about why you made that be what was on him. Um, in part because I really like Baphomet. Um, I really just I think it's he's a really interesting figure. Um, I think the 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 and speaking of transformation, that's a figure who's gone through transformations uh, from its 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 more its origins um, you know, that go back you know, centuries to where he now is sort of the, the mascot of the uh, satanic temple uh, identified as kind of a, a Lucifer figure. And um, that allowed me to kind of offer, and of course something happens with another character in terms of transformation into Ambathomet um, later on. Um, so, and of course, Baphomet is, is, um, non-binary and, uh, having about, you know, not really having a, a set gender right. in terms of biological, in terms of how he's, they, I should say, they are drawn in, um, in popular art. So it was just a fun figure to, to kind of work in and, um, because also Baphomet is popular with tattoo artists and, and it's, it's kind of, he's, he's a renegade and he's um, represents a defiance to, to uh, authority and, um, and also allow me to, to tap into some, you know, some, some religious anxiety that people have about end times as a figure who could prefigure that. Um, it's just, fun to do and fun to I knew somehow I when I write things I don't always know how it ends um I'm I'm what's called a pantser I'm not a planner and I kind of write wait because called I a what a pants a pantser uh by the seat of your pants so to speak when people <laughs> fall there's two there's a planner somebody who outlines right and then there's pantsers 
I never heard and that I'm, phrase before. I can't. I love that so much. You're a pantser. Okay, I know a lot of pantsers. I'm a planner, but I I appreciate <laughs> pantsers in the process. Well, this is. I I don't know if people have used it outside of writing that term, um, but it, we tend to we tend to kind of you know figure out the plot as we go. Like see where it and, takes you. Yeah, and I knew somehow there had to be a a confrontation with Appomattox at some point, but I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know what form that should take. And it hit me one day how, how that should occur that would allow me to circle back to some of the things that occurred earlier in the book. Oh, yeah. And I had just so much fun writing that penultimate scene. That is fascinating to me that you didn't know that's where you were going. I love that idea. Sometimes some of the best things I've worked on have been that way, but I'm usually pretty planny in my life, but I, that's very interesting because it, I will say that it all made perfect sense to me when that all went down and the people that sort of transformed and turned in like that whole scene. Um, I thought that it made, I thought you would have planned that from the beginning. So that's to your credit, I guess, that it made so much sense to my head. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. And then of course the, the whole thing about, he works at the grease and go, which I love. That's so funny. And again, all of his clothing has this logo on it. Like he was just such a sad, like, like his life was so small. And maybe that's the whole point is like this. He, he seems so unlikely to go on such a grand, horrifying adventure because his life was so. It was simple. It was, it was, um, not, he, he was in a comfort zone until, well, really until Natalia came along. Mm. Uh, so Natalia showed up during the eclipse and then he, he has that carnal experience with her backyard and, you know, in the presence of her mother. Um, and that was the beginning of the complication of his life because of course, Natalia is the reason why they went to the club and the reason, you know, all the, the circumstances behind their marriage. Um, I don't know, you know, if I had to cast Adam, I almost wonder if I could get Don Knotts, you know, and, 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 but, but it makes the book sound like a comedy. And, and I think there are comic elements. There's, I think maybe more accurately, there's absurd elements. I do like the absurd, the absurd appeals to me, but, but um, what I, what I was trying to do with some of the absurdism and I do this in other books is, is trying to make you feel comfortable in a way until I I start doing terrible things to the characters. Wait, you're trying to make me feel comfortable as a reader? Yeah. Really? In a way, it's in a way it's 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 I don't know, a kind of misdirection, maybe. Okay. I, okay, it, interesting. It's kind of story I like to read. I, I enjoy things that have a, a small element of absurdism. And but also reach me on a deep visceral level and in the end hopefully means something um yeah interesting I'm kind, of I'm kind of sad you find adam bland but i but i kind of i get i get where you're coming from with that because in some ways it's just well the simplicity. i mean i had i get it i totally get where you're coming from and it wasn't like i didn't i, I just found my time having a hard time rooting for him toward the end because he was just like well you know i always do that and and, you know, I don't know. I was just kind of like, Adam, come on, man. Come on. Like, I, I was trying to snap him out of it. I have to tell you, though, if 
I would watch this movie in a second if you had Don Knotts because he was the master of sort of like it would be believably ridiculous if he was in yeah. this role. And I think it could also be comedic and also horror at the same time. That's such an interesting. Now, see, if I if I were to read it now and think back on it with Don Knotts in the character, I would probably have a whole different experience because I to me he was he was very uh, like I just wanted him to like rise up. And I guess at the very end, he sort of does. Now, I do have a question for you. It yeah. surprised me when we got to the end and he's walking on the water. Like, what did that symbolize? Like, what when he finally, did he, like, come into his power? Like, what, how, that moment surprised me. It's the transformation. It's it's the, because we haven't talked about the ink, what the ink contains that he's is in his body. That's true. It's, it's, you know, it is, and it starts with a joke that the that um, that Moonshine, the magician, makes, where he says, "Maybe you can walk on water." Mm. And then when I wrote that, which is sort of as a whim, I figured later, well, of course he can walk on water. He's going to have to at some point. And it was that mo- moment where it was a moment of heroism because at that moment where he walks on the water, he's doing it in a selfless way. That's true. He's walking the most terrible things. Yeah, but to walk on water, he's doing it for someone else, which of course doesn't work out really well in the end. It, re- <laughs> it really doesn't, you know. And I'm like, really, Adam, you're going to put your hand, really? But anyway, I bet. But I understood. It, I got it. I got it. And then, of course, the end was was truly like. But I have to tell you, see, for me, Doug, I'm not a horror guy. So once we got into that whole last chunk, I was, I was like, like, you know, I was like. Okay, I'm in. I mean, Doug is taking me to this place, you know, that I don't usually go. So I have to tell you, I struggled because I'm not like a horror guy. I enjoyed it. I understood it. But I did have a hard time at the end just because of me, you know. Well, using the humor, it's easier for me to lead you to the edge of the cliff and then push you off. And and that's kind of what (laughs) it is. The ending is a bit of a push off it, the cliff. It, it definitely. Um, <laughs> but I have to tell you, by the time we got to there, like I, I, I was like, yeah, I mean, of course we ended up here. You know what I mean? Like, like by the time, like once they start heading off to, um, is it Arcan- Arcanum? How do you say that? Arcanum. Arcanum. Yes. Once they start that whole part, I was like, okay, now I, I was like, I better put on my seatbelt. You know what I mean? Like I knew we were. I knew it was gonna it was gonna go where it went, and it did. And I guess being a horror novel, it needed to. Um, but it, anyway, that's it was a very interesting experience. I do really love how you how the tarot cards were so significant and what they meant, and I loved that part of the book. I thought that that what I've learned about tarot cards since we opened the Phantom History House, I've enjoyed how you wove that in and how significant it was to the different characters. I thought that was maybe the coolest part of the whole thing to me. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Um, it is, um, it is pretty directly tied in. Um, and that the book is part of a sequence, a cycle. Um, it's the third part of a cycle and it, it's not a se- They're not sequels to one another, but I call them a cycle because they're kind of connected in terms of setting and mood. And, and in some cases, characters overlap. But I, I started this cycle with a, a novella called The Reattachment. Um, and all three of these were published by Madness Heart Press. 
uh, the reattachment also has a, a character, in some ways similar to Adam, but a little more, um, a little more brusque, um, a little more confrontational with people, um, who loses his arm uh, in an industrial accident. Speaking of sticking your hands in machinery, yeah, he loses his arm, and the the reattachment, which is coming back into print uh, fairly soon. Um, he, his arm returns. Um, the company, the, his former employer sends a doctor to his house months after he's lost his arm. And the doctor says, I have your arm. We found it. We're going to put it back on. And by the way, all that disability and unemployment you've taken, you really got to come back to work. So he has to go back to work with his new arm. But, but, and this isn't too much of a spoiler. It's not exactly his arm. Kind of his own. Yeah, exactly I, I'm expecting one. things might not go that well after that. If, if, if it's the kind of yeah. book, that... <laughs> and that's set in my. I have a fictional county called Visaria County, and um, the the second novel in that cycle is called Little Lugosi, a love story, which is about a pet leech, and it had takes also takes place in Visaria County, and another male character who sort of stumbles on some uncanny situation. In this case, get his wife orders a leech for a pet. And um, the leech ties him, ties him into this cult that used to exist where he works. And, I can't um, believe and your then, brain can come up with this stuff, Doug. That is so... Fine. Like what? And then the, the, trick, the, the trick is the third in the cycle. And in some ways, the kid, there's similar, like I said, similar settings Okay. They don't start in Vissoria County in the trick, but they end up going towards Vissoria County. All right, so now I'm going to ask you a question that you don't have to answer. But is there any part of these male characters that you keep writing about that you feel like is you? Yeah, I mean, I think all my characters are part of me. I mean, I think Natalia is somewhat reflective <laughs> of me. Okay. Um, and, you know, I, I think some in some cases good and bad. Um, I have a novel called The Beasts of Vissaria County, another novel set in Vissaria County, um, where I think the main character in a lot of ways is me, and it's a woman. Um, she is, um, she has a lot of my personality. She also has a lot of Geraldine, my wife's personality. In fact, I borrowed, I borrowed little bits of Geraldine's biography for her. It was kind of fun. Geraldine loves that. She does some things that Geraldine did in her childhood. That's cool. Um, so... I think it was Eudora, Eudora Welty who said, and I have to paraphrase this, who said that when a writer is born, uh, their family is doomed uh, because <laughs> they'll, they'll borrow things. And I really, I'm definitely guilty of that. But I think the person I borrow the most from is me. And sure. And, um, well, that makes sense to me. I just wondered if, if like this this character who was sort of naive and and like was sort of put into circumstances that suddenly made him right. Like, I just wondered if you had ever felt like that was part of your story. Every day, man. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a confrontational person. Uh, I don't like change. My wife will tell, tell you, I don't like changing things. Um, he, and that's him. He doesn't like change. Yeah. And Which made it all the more dramatic when this ha happened to his hand. Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. Um, so he is kind of me a little bit, um, but, but in a lot of ways, not me. So it's just, you know, it, it's borrowing, picking things and writing from experience in some cases. And 
So, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean that makes perfect sense. And I would, I would not, I would expect you to experiences you've had and the things that you bring to the table have to end up in your books, I think. But yeah. this is really and interesting. I love oil, for one thing, <laughs> I hate changing oil. <laughs> yeah, that's that really good changing oil. And it, and if you think about it. That working at the Grease and Go, it started sort of as a joke in the book. I mean, where does he work? He works at the Grease and Go. But that became part of his his standard practice because you do every car you treat the same. And, you know, he's got the shirt everywhere he goes. He wears yeah. his Grease and Go shirt, which, you know, I had also had to figure out a way for Maripen to find him when she finds him. So, well, you wore the Grease and Go shirt. That's true. That was clever. Yeah, that made sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know. It, to me, it made him all the more like, wow, man, like, go get some shirts, man. You know, like, yeah, but but I understand. Like, it, it sort of made the, the things that happened to him even more more dramatic. And it's interesting what you decided to do with that. Well, in a way, that is me. You know, I didn't think about this till you said it. But my, Gerilyn <laughs> points out, I own black shirts. I don't like shirts that aren't black. And so in a way, this is my grease and go shirt, you know? So, well, thank God you're wearing a black. Well, I'm wearing a black shirt in your honor today too. So there you go. Awesome, thank you. Well, so what have you thought? Have you did? Are you surprised by my reactions? Did this conversation go as you expected? Um. Yeah. I mean, well, I don't. I couldn't predict it. I'm. I. It sounds like you liked the book. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I did. I have to tell you. I mean, I. I, I liked it a lot. Once we got into the the scarier, gorier. Part at the end, I started to struggle just because that's me. That's not anything to do with the writing or the book. Um, and I kind of expected that, but like I have to tell you, like the whole that whole first half of it or whatever, when they're discovering the tarot cards and the clues, and the, like I was really, really in. Once we got in the in the truck and we're heading for um, you know Arkham or whatever, I was like, okay, this is this is getting hard for me now because <laughs> things start to go down, as you know, as you would know well, but um, that's. That's when I like story. I like stories that kind of veer in a direction where the dread builds, and that's kind of what I was going for. You got me. I was the dread was building everybody, like for sure. Yeah, you know, I mean, I knew we were going. I knew we were going there. You know, and I um, love road trips. Road trips. Everybody loves a road trip. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, but but the, but the, the situation behind this trip and where they were like that was all like I was like really. You know, it's one of those things mm-hmm. like in a harmony when you're like, really, you're running toward the barn with all the saws, you know, like it's that kind of thing. Like I was kind of like, OK, I guess I know why you're going, but just, I have a bad feeling about this. <laughs> but anyway, I did. I did enjoy the book and I appreciate so much you stopping to talk through it with me. Um, and uh, this all happened because we have um, a book club now at Phantom History House and everybody go to our website at phantomhistoryhouse.com. Look at the events and you can find the book club stuff and we hope that you'll join us. There's a virtual version and an in-person version. Doug, this has been really fun. Anything you want to say in wrapping up this conversation? Um, well, um, I am, um, I will be, you, I have more stuff coming out. Um, I will have a new novelette later this year called All the Dead Cats of Civilization. I have a sh- new short story collection came out um, earlier in the year called The Infection Party and Other Stories of Dis-Ease. And I'm in a really cool, I can show you a minute. Yeah. Bear with me. We'll be right back. I'm in this very cool charity book called Table for Three with Rebecca Rowland and Holly Ray Garcia 
Uh, the um, proceeds for this book go to uh, a Texas food bank. Each one of them is about uh, people who are um, at food risk. And um, my novella in this is called The Last Slaughter. This came out recently. Uh, it's been a busy year for me. I have another little novelette called Babel, which I'm really proud of, also from Madness Heart Press. Um, so my stuff is on Amazon. Um, a lot of it's on Barnes & Noble and Godless. So hope people check it out. All right, everybody. Douglas Ford, look up his stuff. I want to tell you, like, I enjoyed this book. The, this, I thought the setup was brilliant. And like I said, I was all in until we got to the really scary part. And then that was just me that, like, like got really chickened out. But I, I think you did a great job. I would recommend it. And um, thanks for talking to me. This was fun. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Find all of our conversations about paranormal things, cool haunted places, and interviews about the Phantom History House Bed and Breakfast at our website at phantomhistory.com or on the Phantom History YouTube channel. Come talk ghost stories in person at the Phantom History House at phantomhistoryhouse.com.